Welcome to another episode of the Unlikely Hikers podcast. Unlikely Hikers is a diverse, anti-racist, body-liberating outdoors community on Instagram, at Unlikely Hikers. It's also a hiking group, and now a podcast. Our guest today is Chelsea Murphy. Her pronouns are she, her, and hers. She is a hiker, a runner, a mother, and a Black woman who's found herself in a role as a local leader for anti-racist violence in a majority white small town in Washington state. I'm your host, Jenny Brusso. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm a white, queer, fat femme, writer, hiker, and group hike leader. I miss our group hikes so bad. No thank you, COVID-19. I'm recording from Portland, Oregon, on the traditional lands of the Cowlitz, Chinook, and Kalapuya. I started this show at the end of March to fill the void where our multiple monthly group hikes were and to provide a little connection and entertainment for our community as we all self-isolated. Until this very episode, it was a live show on Zoom, but for a host of reasons, namely (laughs) to make a better podcast, We are no longer weekly and no longer live. The episodes will come out every other Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm excited to see what might happen now that we have more time and more room for creativity. And while the live show was super fun, it was also a lot of pressure. Live speaking is hard, but doing the podcast kind of helped. This episode is coming out July 1st, 2020, almost an entire month after our last episode, which recorded May 26th, but we didn't plan to go on hiatus. Just a couple of hours before the live show recorded, news broke across the U.S. about Christian Cooper, the black birder in New York's Central Park, who had the cops called on him by Amy Cooper. No relation, just an unfortunate coincidence. Christian Cooper asked Amy Cooper to leash her dog, which is a rule of the park, and the particular area they were in is a popular birding spot, and an off-leash dog can wreak havoc on those environments. Amy Cooper's indignant ass turned on this uh, faux white woman hysteria, and Christian Cooper recorded the whole thing. She called the police and very deliberately said, an African-American man was threatening her. Calling the police on a Black man is essentially attempted murder. Fight me if you don't agree. And because Amy Cooper took off before cops arrived, as did Christian Cooper, thankfully, she put every Black man in the park in danger. Because there was no time before recording that episode to adequately gather sources about this incident, I had to decide quickly that I'd address it on the next episode the following week, but that chance never came. The next day, the U.S. erupted in protests over the senseless and brutal murder by police of George Floyd, a Black man in Minneapolis. He was arrested for some BS, like using a counterfeit bill, and Let me tell you, working retail, I've seen plenty of counterfeit bills, and I've had the experience of someone genuinely not knowing they had one. Regardless, it doesn't actually matter. To say 
this is a nonviolent crime, says the absolute least. Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, knelt on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes while he was handcuffed and lying face down, begging for his life and repeatedly saying, I can't breathe. Officers J. Alexander King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao prevented bystanders from intervening. Chauvin ignored onlookers' pleas to remove his knee, which he did not do until medics told him to. The following day, after videos made by witnesses and security cameras became public, George Floyd's death triggered demonstrations and protests in over 2,000 U.S. cities and around the world against police brutality, racism, and lack of police accountability. It was and has been a perfect storm of tragedy. We were and are in the middle of a virus pandemic, horribly mismanaged by our trash government, leading to over 100,000 deaths and the highest unemployment rates the U.S. has seen since the Great Depression. And in the weeks prior to the murder of George Floyd, we found out about the murders of Ahmad Arbery by white supremacists and the gruesome murder by police of Breonna Taylor. Then days after George Floyd, Tony McDade also by police. In a country where the majority despises our president, all hell has broken loose. And while I hate what it's taken to get here, there's a part of me that feels like this display of civil unrest feels like we're all a little closer to being on the same page. Now, that is not me expressing gratitude. I guess I'm revealing right now that there is still a shred of optimism and hope in me. It's like a spell on dominant culture has been broken. So I paused all Unlikely Hikers content for most of June to focus on elevating and amplifying only Black voices. There is so much more to say, but we've got a lot to talk about with our guest, Chelsea Murphy. I'll include resources for everything talked about in today's episode in our show notes, which you can find at jennybrusso.com. And you can find Chelsea Murphy on Instagram at she underscore colors nature. I'm very proud of being Native American, but at this point, I'm very ashamed of our country, as we all should be. Until the histories are written about our collective experiences, then this country is not going to heal. I have two reasons why I'm standing here today. Their names are Sienna and Etta. I know what it's like to be a little black girl in a really white-centered world, and so I want to see this town be better for them. These are the homelands of my ancestors. Standing in solidarity with our black relatives, our histories of oppression have been long intertwined. We see you, we hear you, we stand with you. It's not about politics right now. Like right now, it's about humanity. It's about equality. Today would have been Brianna Taylor's 27th birthday. She was an essential worker murdered at the height of a pandemic in her own home. Brianna Taylor! Brianna Taylor! We all 
need each other. I don't have a doubt in my mind that we're going to make this change. I'm glad to see everybody because it shows that rural America is no longer going to sit back and be quiet. The audio you just heard is from a Black Lives Matter protest in a teeny tiny town in Washington state. That second voice you heard that weaved throughout the clip among other speakers was Chelsea. I asked Chelsea how she'd describe herself. I am a mother of two girls and I love to hike and camp and paddleboard and just do everything that comes with the seasons of living in a mountain town in, in the middle of Washington state. Normally, before COVID, I had a part-time job pouring wine downtown, and um, if you've never been to Washington State, it's like um, just as good as California, I would say, in the wine region. And being a stay-at-home mom throughout the week, but just uh, really being intentional about taking my girls outside. So dad's white and I'm black, and so we just have made an intention to make sure that we have kids that are comfortable and confident in the outdoors. I guess in recent times with COVID and kind of the social injustice pandemic, we're, we're hitting on top of the viral pandemic. Um, I've kind of come into this realization that my community needs me in other ways than just, um, you know, being a mom at a play date or, um, the woman leading the, the trash crew around and collecting trash with kids at the river. Like we are in desperate need right now of someone that's just going to take off and, and talk about really hard things like racism and white supremacy. And I think that, I mean, I don't really, I can't take all the credit at this point, but I've kind of come into this role of being an activist in my town and um, people are really taking a liking to it and, and, and enjoying the fact that I'm, I'm willing to step up and, and use my, my voice. And um, yeah, so I'm just recently, I guess I'm, I'm, I have many hats, <laughs> many hats, but an activist is, is one of them, social and, and environmental, I guess, and definitely pushing for people being better to, to mother nature and expressing that through my children as well. I guess if I were to describe where I live, it's just this beautiful little mountain town nestled in the middle of north central Washington. And we've got like some of the most amazing views and um, it's like 360 degrees of mountains and like alpine lakes. We're surrounded by um, the national forest. And so the uh, best way I can describe it is just like kind of the complete opposite of where I grew up. <laughs> um, and uh, like just saying, I grew up in San Diego and Tacoma and like both of those two places were city, like full on city life where I live now, you know, I can get me and my kids out the door into a trail in less than 10 minutes and it's super helpful and it's a really, really big privilege. The land that we recreate on definitely is just this beautiful land that belongs to the Wenatchee tribe and I try and always, always, um, recognize that and speak to that because it's really important to me. It's kind of like paradise, I would say. If you love to be out, out in the mountains and in the forests, it's, it's a good place to live. Where I live, I think the best way to describe um, 
you know, the demographic is just white. <laughs> it's so white. There are majority, I mean, I'm not sure of percentages, but there's definitely um, mostly white people here that live here in, in my town. And then we have a big agricultural um, in industry. And so we do have a lot of the Latinx community and they are, you know, laborers. They're, I mean, they're everything. They are very much a big part of the diversity aspect um, here. We do have, you know, I think just recently we were marching for for solidarity and just marching um, for, with the social injustice movement. And um, I think uh, an estimate came back that there were about 13 Black people that live in, in the Valley here. And that's, I mean, 2,200 people, that's our population. And, you know, there's 13 Black people. And I, honestly, I'm like, okay, I don't know who made up that number, but I have never seen 13 Black people that actually have a, an address <laughs> similar to mine. Like, I think that that was probably being super generous and involving some of the cities and towns around us as well. Um, I think if I were to take a more accurate account based off of who I know and who I, I've seen, and I've been pretty intentional, um, I'd say seven, maybe half that. Yeah, probably seven. And three of them are in my family. So, um, wait, no, five, five of them are my family. So, um, yeah, that is kind of the demographic of where I live. There's mostly white people here. When I first moved here, you know, I wasn't really, um, I didn't have my hands and my feet into any kind of sport, I guess. I wasn't hiking consistently. I wasn't paddleboarding consistently. I wasn't climbing or mountain biking consistently. And I was just lost. Like I was postpartum, like four months when I first moved back here, my husband and I, and um, he grew up here uh, where we live now. And so um, he was connected obviously with a ton of people. And so that was helpful for kind of giving me a boost into um, finding community here. But I definitely will say like it was not easy like I came here I'm like the only black woman um, and at that time I'm like I was the only black girl I just felt like a girl just lost in this big world of white people that do really rad things all the time and they're just like working out all the time and they're climbing and they're biking and they're doing all these things and I'm just like I don't have any of this gear like where do I even start and like can I possibly exist here without without seeming like I'm getting into this just like, just to, just to be getting into this, you know, just to be finding friends. And um, yeah, slowly after um, moving here, we found a church that we loved. And so we started going to a church and um, a lot of the moms there are pretty conservative and, you know, bless their hearts, love them to death. But like, that's just not me. That's not the way I grew up. My parents are very much Christian and I grew up in a Christian home and I, um, that is my religion, but I am not a conservative Christian. Like, and I have had to swallow that pill a few times because, um, yeah, it was just hard. You know, there's a lot of conservative people here, um, where we live in the mountains and, um, I just don't fit a lot of the time, you know, not, not only am I black and I'm a woman, and I have little black kids running like little ducklings behind me all the time. I'm definitely more progressive. And I just, when I say I love all people, like I love all people, like there is no limit to that. And so it was hard finding, finding community here right now has been kind of the hardest time living, being here. You know, I can, I can get over 
not being able to um to fit into certain people's circles and different things like i you know i went through that in high school like we i've done this before i've seen it all all before and so i've i've worked that out and find i've found friends that will take me and love me as i am and so that's super helpful but like with this situation right now and the friends that i've made i'm finding that like there is there's nothing that will ever allow them to understand the way I'm feeling right now and quite the magnitude of, of alone that I, that I feel and just having to talk with people that don't understand fully. Like there's just something about not being around people that are black right now that is really just hard. You know, I have noticed on a couple of your posts, you offer yourself up as like a black person that people know and that people can talk to you and ask you questions. And honestly, I'm kind of blown away by that because I'm like, wow, that's inviting a lot, you know, a lot of potential goodness, but also a lot of, of labor and challenge. And um, it, it's a lot to take on for one person, especially since you don't seem to have like, you know, a, a support network of other black people to like share that that labor with or 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 maybe even i guess what i should say is is just a a, a support network of of allies to share that that labor with i do have to say like when i was speaking at the rally a couple of weeks ago um i had written some things down and um but when i actually got in front of everybody and started speaking like my phone screen where my notes were just like i mean it was on but like i my vision was impaired like i couldn't see my phone and so i just like looked up and started talking like it was kind of this interesting thing where it was just like i felt like i needed to just talk to my friends and my community from the heart and not from the kind of scripted thing that i had written out on my phone and so when I said that, well, the next day I was like asking my husband, did you get a video of that? Cause I really don't even know what I said. You know, I'm getting all these phone calls from people that are like, thank you and notes and letters and flower and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, I really don't even remember what I said last night. Like, I know that I was speaking from the heart and I, I know that I was very vulnerable, but I don't exactly know what I said. And then I watched, rewatched the video and I was like, oh, like I opened up a can of worms to these people. Like, why did I say that? <laughs> and like, I am now just realizing that if I, if I don't do it, or if I don't help some of my ally friends that are willing to do this work and just guide them and help them and answer some questions, like my community will not be a safe place for my children. I know for sure that they are the only two um, black girls. And so I want this community to understand the work that needs to be done in order to make them feel comfortable. And if I have to be the one to lead them in that direction, like I'm 100% behind that because I mean, as a, as a mom, like it literally is when people re refer to like mama bear situations like that is me right now like I'm on fire for my kids and I want to see this community be better for them from that protest the girls that helped um you know kind of spearhead it all um 
we've gotten together and we've created this little group. We're just meeting every week and we're going to the farmer's markets and we're making sure people are registered to vote and we're getting people registered to vote and we're letting people know, you know, what um, local voting is going to look like coming up soon. And if you aren't registered to vote, you are not contributing to the, to the momentum of our community. And um, so we're doing that and we sold some Black Lives Matter um, posters at the farmer's market and like people are buying them. We hosted like a whole virtual day on Juneteenth and that was so incredible to be a part of. Like we had so many, once again, haters in our town that were just like, you know, you guys are a bunch of white girls, like you should be celebrating Juneteenth. And like they were just putting that out there without actually recognizing that I was so much involved in it. This other, um, we had an indigenous girl and a Latin, uh, Latinx girl that just were spearheading it with us and like were not trying to, you know, allowing me the space to celebrate Juneteenth while also just being in solidarity with me and trying to, to acknowledge and educate the people of this town that like Juneteenth is a thing. And, you know, we are, we are going to see that be a national holiday very soon. I can feel it. We want to see what's next. Like if you can, if we can rally 1300 people together to protest when I didn't even know that many people like lived here actively <laughs> full time, like we can do better and more more and more people are like yeah like what's next how can we how can we help like everybody's just like really excited about um educating themselves on anti-racism and continuing just the momentum of what's what's happening right now with the social injustice movement and black lives matter it's just really this this beautiful thing of you know getting up in the morning and going on my run and now there's like 10 or 15 different posters in people's yards that say black lives matter in them as I'm running by. And it's just like, Oh, like this is my community. Yes. And like, it's just beautiful. It's really kind of a cool thing that's happening right now. What is next? You know, what happens? Let's say Donald Trump is not the president next term. And what is going to happen? You know, not that everyone's in love with our other option, but like, what's going to happen if Donald Trump is not in the, in the, you know, Oval Office anymore? And the, of course, the, the pandemic, like, you know, maybe we'll have a vaccine by then and whatnot. Are people just kind of going to go back to their way too busy, self-centered lives? What are some of your fears as the protests begin to die down? Like, what do you, what do you see happening or, or what do you think can happen? Um, what do you hope will happen? I, I need to be hopeful, obviously, like my, I'm putting everything into this and all of my time and energy into this and I'm just one person, right? So I imagine there's thousands of little me's in every little community doing, doing the work and mobilizing people and congregating and chanting and protesting and putting all of the time and energy into this. And um, what I fear is just, you know, hearing from people that are older than me and, um, you know, other generations that came before us that are like talking about the fact that they've, they've been here before, they've done this before, you know, we've marched before just like this, you know, or, you know, Rodney King and the riots were very similar to this. And, you know, that's a little bit discouraging hearing that. Um, and I know that, you know, this is a way bigger magnitude, I think, than we've seen in a very long time. And so um, 
I want to be hopeful in just that sense that, um, that this is, this is bigger than it's been in a long time. And there are more people with, you know, with social media and everything, people are able to talk about it quicker. We have the evidence to convict certain people that haven't been convicted yet. I'm hearing, you know, defund the police. And I would love to see funds transferred, funds moved around, funds, you know, like education to me is the number one thing that needs to happen in our in our country. I think that the people that are in leadership right now can do a better job. And that's what I would want to see. When you ask Joe Biden, like, what can you do for the black community? And he answers, you know, well, who else do you have? You know, and it's just like, oh, like that, that is not the president I want. And like asking my mom, you know, she's been voting for a long time and since she was 18 and I, she's lost right now. You know, she's voted Republican, Democrat. She votes for people, not parties. And so I appreciate that about her. And right now she's just like, I mean, do you want to be president? Like, can my neighbor be president? Anybody at this point, like, can do a better job, it seems. We're just, we're struggling. We're in a rock and a hard place for sure. But I would love to see action steps through voting and through laws that um, make it so things like what happened with George Floyd don't ever happen again, whether that's training or accountability or, I mean, there's so many things that could happen. I don't know all the answers, but I do know we need a, a better leadership right now because our country is struggling. It was only three weeks ago that you posted on Instagram about feeling suffocated and alone in your mountain town. So you drove to one of the protests in Tacoma and you said that you felt like you could, you know, finally breathe and be present. Just nine days later, you're leading a protest in your own town. What the heck happened in that nine day period of time? And, you know, how did it all come to be? So with the start of my Instagram posts, you know, that I felt like I was living in a fishbowl, like literally came home and just burst into tears. And so I wrote that, that was very heartfelt. And, you know, I have a couple of girls that are, I would consider allies at this point that are, you know, following my Instagram. And the next morning I got a phone call and I don't know if you know the she fly pants, the pants with the zipper that you can like hike with and then mm -hmm. pee. Okay. So that girl, one of the founders lives in my town and she's great. She's an artist. She like, we met like five years ago. She wanted to draw my face. And so we like, it was love at first sight. And um, her name's Charlotte. And she just messaged me and she's like, I have like four or five girls that like have seen your cry for help. And like, we want to plan a protest. And like, she's like, I don't know if this, I mean, it's for you, but like, we don't know who's going to come. Like, so we met in the park the next day and they just like wanted to hear my experience in Tacoma and like how that made me feel and like what parts of that protest I would want to bring home to um, our small mountain town. And so I just, you know, we sat in a kumbaya circle with our masks and I told them about, you know, the things that I loved about Tacoma and the people and the fact that they had speakers to start it off. And, you know, it was very peaceful. I just wanted them to understand that like, I want, I want this protest to happen, but I have no idea what it will look like in our small white mountain town, you know, and that we might 
potentially be the only ones in our families marching. And, you know, they were like, we don't care. Like, we, we, we wanted to do something. We just didn't know, you know, when you think about like, when things like this happen, like in your head, you think like, oh, like someone's going to come out of the woodwork. Someone else is going to put this protest on. Like, it's not my job. I'll go, but it's someone else's job to do that. And like, I think for them, they just needed to hear that it wasn't anybody else's job and that like they did have all that they needed. You know, if, if you just have a Facebook, that's all you need to start an invite and, and um, put together a protest. And so, um, yeah, like literally we picked a date, we worked through all these things. And like, when I say we, like I was just present, like they literally did all the heavy lifting. I don't even have Facebook. Like I think we met on a Monday and the protest was that Friday. And um yeah, it was really just awesome. I mean, they were, they put together, we had speaker phone, like microphones, we had speakers, we had people that, um, that came down. Oh, well, I, I know some people in the Wenatchee tribe. Um, and so I invited them down. And so they were the first two speakers. They opened up and she just wrote this beautiful poem about, um, solidarity and, um, you know, how, how deeply intertwined the oppression of black people and indigenous culture has been in the past, you know, in our country. And so it was like a really amazing way to start the, the march. And then after that, her uncle, he's one of the elders um, of the Wenatchee tribe, he got on and was speaking in his native tongue, and then tra uh, translating it in English. And it was just like, uh, I mean, it was echoing throughout the valley. And it was just like this really amazing moment where I was just like in heaven like these white people have never heard anything like this and like I brought this here you know like they're all happy joy like thinking they're gonna you know check the box of protesting you know maybe that's not it for everybody but yeah they all came out it was really amazing and um little did they know they were going to get like go to school on whose land they're recreating on you know and like understand that like the black community is so small where we live that it's almost more important for them to speak up and listen up for the indigenous and latinx community that lives here like their problem their problems um are a little bit more in their face about um brown people as a whole you know not just black and so it was just kind of this amazing thing that happened this beautiful moment at the end when we all kind of walked through town and um one of the moms that lives just right on the corner she was like yeah i saw kind of the first wave of people go by and i thought like oh that was a great turnout you know and then literally a thousand more people walked by her house and it was just like these like a horde of, of zombies and with signs and chanting and yelling and she's like i've never you know she's lived here 30 years she's never seen anything like that before and you know my husband would say the same thing you know this community doesn't come together for anything like that I mean maybe a football game but like not not at all for you know anything political or socially involved and so I was very satisfied definitely <laughs> I read a post of yours from June 9th saying that when you started your Instagram account, you weren't yet aware of how deeply racism pervaded outdoor culture and the outdoor industry. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that awakening? Like what, where was the shift when you realized that there was a deep 
problem with outdoor culture? I think with the outdoor culture, um, understanding the problem was pretty apparent to me, just like physically, you know, being in um, this mountain town and going on trails and like never, ever seeing anyone that looked like me. Like, never. I think that I've probably seen like one other um, black man on my um, my backpacking trip, he was coming out as I was going in, and it was like, oh, I feel I felt like it was a, some kind of a sign or something. It was really cool. But anyways, I never saw that guy again. Maybe he was a dream. I'm not quite sure. But I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and like I always was, te- I was teased, you know, and not to the point where like it really, you know, a, a lot of the teasing came from my loved ones and my friends. Like, oh, you like to do that? Like, that's kind of funny. Like, most Black people don't do that. I did, I do understand that that's, that's an issue. And when I first started my Instagram, I was just kind of like, had this cheerleader voice on, you know, like, get out, get outside however you can. And like, look, my kids and I do it. You can do it too. And I mean, it was probably like, 10 posts in I got a message she told me on one of my posts that was just like you know black moms can get outside we're safe outdoors like blah 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 and she was like you are kind of gaslighting like I don't know and at that point I didn't really know what that meant you know I'm just like "Hmm, like I thought that that was something like white people did to black people not you know black on black because my I was trying to like relay my message to other black people so like in my mind I'm like no way could I be gaslighting I'm just trying to encourage people you know and I, I messaged her back and I was like you know from my experience I've never um had overt racist things happen or covert racist things happen to me on trail you know that it's it's kind of just this unspoken thing that happens when you're the minority. And so um, I just said, like, if I'm gaslighting, like, please, like, show, tell me how, you know, with my account, I mean, I was, I was doomed from the start, I guess you could say, like, there's no way you can talk about and encourage getting black people outdoors and not talk about why the heck there are not, like, just as many black people hiking and camping and visiting national parks with their families and and feeling comfortable doing it, you know? And as soon as you ask that question, you open up the can of white supremacy worms that are just bleeding into every industry that we that is in the United States right now. The outdoor industry is so, I mean, it is so much more conservative and white than so many other industries. Like outdoor culture is is, is behind in a lot of ways, even behind dominant culture in a lot of ways, um, because it has been for so long and so deeply, uh, you know, about like white, cis, hetero uh, people, especially men. And, you know, it just like, there hasn't been any sort of, you know, there's always been loud mouths on the internet. You know, I've been loud on the internet about the whiteness and uh, you know, narrowness of the outdoor industry for the last eight years. But like, uh, I think the outdoor industry just has not been, uh, had enough people challenging them for so long that they didn't feel a need to rise to the occasion. It was easy to ignore all of us who were speaking up. And now there's like this huge fever pitch of just people demanding, you know, that the outdoor industry get it together because we see what's happening, you know, things are moving way too slowly and we have 
you know, we, we, we are demanding what we want to see and they can either get with it or get out. And, you know, we're going to take our money while, you know, where we actually see the action happening. What does the outdoors, what does nature do for you? Mm, So nature for me is just my ultimate happy place. Like I, don't even really know how to fully explain it sometimes because I've never had a place. Me moving here and becoming a mom, um, I don't know. I My husband and I, we weren't married when we had my, my first kiddo. Um, we still weren't married. And it was just kind of this like really rough time of like coming into motherhood, like being thrown into this little town surrounded by white people. It was just kind of a a hard time for me. I feel like I'm pretty adaptive and my husband was great. um, Just making me feel welcome. But like I had to, you know, find a love and comfort of hiking with my children on my own. You know, nobody showed me how to do that. Nobody encouraged me to do that. I just, you know, I'm like, oh, there's a trail here. Like five minutes from my house. Like maybe we could explore this. And you know, packing my, my kiddo on my back and going to a yard sale and finding a, finding a pack and then getting outdoors. And like, it literally changed. I mean, postpartum can be awful at times. And I think that when I found, you know, a love for being on trail and just like putting my shoes on and getting outdoors and being able to wear whatever I wanted and, you know, not being too involved in the fancy gear and stuff, like it was truly like, just comforting for me. And, you know, I don't know, nature has just been such a healing space for me, like mentally overcoming some of just my like childhood traumas and things that were, you know, that I was wrestling with as far as like, just racist encounters and racist people and things that are you know, harder for me, just being a black woman, um, limitations and just kind of fumbling around trying to figure out like where, um, where life was taking me and, um, you know, being steady on my religion and loving Jesus and just trying to find a place to go to church again, just trying to find my, my footing. Right. And then going into nature and like truly finding like this grounding, amazing confidence and there's just this kind of amazing thing that happens for me and it's it's healing it's it makes me a better mom um a better person a better wife a better daughter just everything like I love love nature I know what you're saying about seeing something that you've seen forever in an at a new angle uh I feel that way when I'm hiking too like living in Portland uh you know we can see Mount Hood Well, I want to say all of the time, but you know, it's really uh, gray and rainy here a lot of the time. So we don't all the time, but it is a, it is a fixture of the city that we can see Mount Hood and, uh, and, and Mount St. Helens. And it's so cool going on hikes where you get to have like a whole new glimpse of these incredible mountains that you see every single day, but like in this totally new and different way. I love that. At the end of April, you posted about hitting 5,000 followers. Now, just a month and a half later, you're at over 40,000. What has it been like to blow up on social media the way you have? 
okay, the last time that I was able to like slow down before um, the situation with George Floyd happened, um, I was had this thing written out um, because I was going to be hitting 10,000 followers. So that was just like a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, I mean, I wrote about this too recently, just about, you know, after this situation happened and everybody was looking for resources and um, tagging anti-racist um, Instagrams or just any people talking about it and black people that are getting outdoors and doing things out of the norm, you know, and just like really being vulnerable and talking about it. And um, my Instagram was trending. Like I, I didn't do anything. I didn't change anything. Um, I actually just kind of like paused for a moment uh, when I was getting a lot of new followers because I wasn't really sure what was happening. Um, I thought maybe my Instagram was being hacked or something. And then I just kept checking and I'm like, nope, this is okay. This is, this is happening. Like I'm just gaining a lot of people and people were reposting um, when I called out, you know, white parents for, you know, raising our future racist children of America. And I think, you know, a lot of people hated that I said that, but a lot of people really like were able to relate to that, you know, like understanding that what you teach your children matters. Um, and so that was one of the posts that kind of took off, you know, black people are, are trending right now, which is so like kind of an unfortunate way of expressing that I, i'm still not quite sure how i feel about having all these these new followers and to have them be white um is also a whole nother conversation like i when i first started my instagram was trying to be very intentional about reaching the black community and black moms and encouraging black kids and now i have they're buried all of these black moms and their accounts and things are buried in my dms and i'm struggling to try and um you know, be intentional about, like, if I see a Black person, I'll, like, go in there and, and answer and respond and be um, very intentional about not missing their message, but it's a lot harder now because of the influx of people trying to communicate with me and uh, ask me questions or just, like, respond to my stories and different things, and so I have found that it's been a little bit harder to be, be the account that I want to be with this many followers, but I also realize that my account is public and that is, you know, that's kind of what happens sometimes. <laughs> I had a similar experience uh, with Unlikely Hikers where we were featured in the New York Times about a year ago. I think it it's either a year ago or two years ago. Time feels really weird right now, but overnight we, I got tens of thousands of new followers. And, you know, it was really, it's really exciting, but I think what a lot of people don't know unless they're in that situation is that just because you get a lot of new followers, it doesn't mean you're getting the followers that you're hoping for. And, you know, even though it's great that people, you know, follow along because for the most part, they want to hear your voice. It also can bring a lot of excess noise and it can divert your attention. It can divert your, your intention, you know, because there's just, your eyes can get taken off the prize. I'm going to say personally that when this happened to me, I experienced some really intense burnout. 
just always remember like who you're, who you're, you're, you're talking for and, um, you know, uh, to try not to get too sidetracked by all of the new chatter. Um, and also, you know, you mentioned your DMs, you have no, you have, you do not have to give people your attention, um, who were not there before. And, uh, you know, nobody who messages you is entitled to your time. And I know you know that, but, uh, you know, you can be as choosy as you want. Someone sending you a message is not a contract. You do not have to respond. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love being a part of this network of like strong black women that get outdoors and men and um, this community of people that I've been so intentional about following and, um, you know, people that follow me, there's been a change and a shift and I'm trying to kind of find my, find my bearings in it and um, continue to find joy in what I'm doing on that community, but also to remind myself that like my energy is better, better um, used in, in my community, right? Where I actually live, um, the impact that I'm having in my home um, and I try and like express that with people everywhere. Like the work on anti-racism that you're doing is the most important in your home first. Just making sure that like white parents, black parents, uh, adoptee parents, um, interracial parents, wh whoever, everyone has a responsibility of talking to their kids about racism and doing the own work in your own um, heart and soul first. Um, so that you don't project things out on your children and then they pick up on those things and then and they become like the um the people of of the world you know and so um it's so important that i also live that out to where like as much as i love my instagram community like my home and my community are first every time you know like i need to make sure that i'm like being balanced on what i'm doing and um you know, I have my, my kids that are so important to me and um, it's important that we actually get out and hike and do all of those things. And if I like get content later, then that's cool too. Um, but yeah, like I, my, my most important job that I have right now is, is raising my kids and, and being a wife to my husband and um, being active in my community that it's so obvious that they need, um, they need me to continue, right, in every aspect, whether I'm just, you know, going back to being just a mom that schedules playdates and trash crew cleanup, or I'm the mom leading protests and, and book clubs so that everyone gets to understand some of the, the topics in me and white supremacy and, and other books and things. But like, I don't know, I just, I, I really want people to understand the importance of, of doing the work in, your, in yourself in your individual self and then radiating that out into your home and with your friends and your close-knit community um, and then from that community level you know the ripple effect will naturally happen out into the larger bigger part of the of the country and I'm just really trying to harbor that in my own life and being a good representative of that in my own life and not spend too much time actually on the internet and and doing things that that sometimes feel like they're they're too big, right? There's it's too big of a of a stretch, and I don't feel like I'm reaching people sometimes. And then other days I do, but I can see the direct benefits and and the the fruits of my labor directly 
in my home and in my community and in the relationships that are most important to me. And I think that I just always want to remind people of that, that like social media is great, but like the work needs to be done in your, in your heart and in your home first. Chelsea, you're the cool mom. You are that cool mom. You're like, you know, the mom who leads the trash cleanups and then the mom who leads the protests. Like, I was just like, yes, snapping over here. <laughs> Chelsea and I talked for an hour and 40 minutes. It felt like talking to a longtime friend. I hope all of you listening can feel the potential and possibility of what might happen if you stand up, take the mic, and not back down. How do you want the world to be? And what will you do to make it happen? Huge thanks to Chelsea Murphy for sharing her story. Find her on Instagram at she underscore colors nature and fall in love with her adventures and beautiful family. Thank you to Aaron J. Nash for providing the audio clip you heard in the beginning. Thank you to everyone listening. You can find the Unlikely Hikers podcast on most podcast apps. If you like what you hear, please rate us five stars and leave a review. It helps me a lot and it just makes me really happy. This episode is totally unsponsored and it is a lot of labor. If you'd like to support it or Unlikely Hikers in general, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Jenny If you'd like to make a one-time donation, head to jennybrusso.com and find the donate tab on the menu. Or you can skip donating to my work and sustain orgs that directly support Black trans people. I've put a bunch of resources in the show notes, which you can find at jennybrusso.com. Our next episode will air July 15th. Until next time, defund the police. Black lives matter. All Black Lives Matter. Say their names. Ahmad Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Tony McDade, Remy Fells, Ryan Milton, Brayla Stone, Rayshard Brooks, Nina Pop, Lexi Sutton, Monica Diamond, Elijah McLean. And that's just to name a few. How many more? What will it take? Goodbye.